Welcome to Vision is More Than 2020, a podcast aimed at talking about your vision, your eyes, and how they play a role in overall visual and systemic function. Dr. Zolnicki and Lakowski, with the help of various guests, will work to help you understand more about your visual system and all the pieces to the vision puzzle. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of Vision is More Than 2020. I hope that you are enjoying the Sports Vision series and learning about all the different sports. For this week's episode, we wanted to highlight the International Sports Vision Association. The International Sports Vision Association is a group of professionals that have come together that are dedicated to advancing the field of vision training for athletes of all ages and levels to help them achieve peak athletic performance. And it really is such a great resource for parents, athletes, and professionals to really understand all the pieces to the sports performance puzzle. So this website is really fantastic. It's www.sportsvision.pro. So that's www.sportsvision.pro. And I will link that in the show notes for you guys so that you guys can click on it to see it. Yeah, a couple of my favorite things on this website are the way they really go into each sport and break down the specific visual skills needed for each sport. They have really wonderful explanations of how vision is so important to all the different areas of individual sports. And then my favorite thing is their find a doctor locator. So they have an area on the website where you can find a sports vision and performance professional near you who is providing service in terms of sports vision enhancement and training. So that's really exciting for anyone listening who's been following along and you know wants to seek someone out who does this maybe in their area to work on their sports game. Wonderful. Okay, so now in our episode, Dr. Zelnicki is going to be joined by Dr. Nick Serio. He is the co-founder of Athletes Warehouse and the founder of Velo University. He is both the general manager and pitching coordinator at Athletes Warehouse. He has a doctorate in performance psychology, a master's in kinesthesiology, and a bachelor's in exercise science. So I am incredibly excited to have Nick on. I've known Nick personally as one of my husband's best friends in college, and I've really seen him grow professionally and his knowledge base of baseball and pitching and athletes in general is absolutely incredible. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Nick. I'm so excited to have you on today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So I introduced you a little bit, but introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us who you are, what you do, and exactly what is Athletes Warehouse and Velo University. Yeah, no problem. Um, So I am a uh, husband and father first uh, to my wife, Lisa, and then two beautiful kids, Luke, John, and Charlie. I am a business owner. I own Athletes Warehouse and Velo University. Um, Athletes Warehouse is a sports performance training facility in uh, Pleasantville, New York. We are uh, like 17,500 square foot facility. We have a huge turf field, uh, multiple um, strength and performance training areas. And then Velo University is sort of a brainchild that I've had for a while, which is a division of the company that is centered around the baseball athlete and more specifically the throwing end of the baseball athlete. We have been in existence in Athletes Warehouse since 2014 and Velo University uh, has really popped up as part of an offshoot during this pandemic time. Um, Baseball being seems to be the one sport that and softball that has been able to continue to play during COVID. 
therefore we saw the huge need and and we saw the volume of athletes still being able to be uh, trained in in that specific or those two specific sports. So we've really focused our attention there. Um, Athletes Warehouse still thrives. We still have athletes from lacrosse and football and basketball, but without a doubt, uh, a large portion of our population has now shifted towards baseball, softball. Wonderful. Now, what specifically do you do with your athletes or what is your approach that sets you apart from any other trainer? You know, as cliche as maybe it might sound, I'm not in the actual business of training. I'm not in the business of sports performance. I'm not even in the business of pitch development. I'm in the business of people and relationships. And the tools I use happen to be sports performance and pitching development. The largest gap, or really, in my opinion, the only true gap when you start to equate for skill level is mental skills and the ability of that athlete to be able to actually be self-aware, be consistent in their actions, and then ultimately tactically control themselves in high-pressure situations. In response to this, when we were opening, I went and got my master's in exercise science with a focus in sports psychology, and then uh, later got my doctorate in performance psychology. Listen, I truly believe that is the delineating factor amongst athletes and Honestly, it's a responsibility and a privilege to be a coach. And I think sometimes that often goes overlooked. Uh, We could be the single most important individual in that athlete's life, whether we realize that or not. And that is a large responsibility to live up to day in and day out. And honestly, it's the fulfillment that I've always been drawn to, searched for, and why you know, anybody that works with us here on our team has to have and experience that same why. If they're missing that why, they're never going to understand why we push as hard as we push. They're going to look at us and call us crazy, which uh, is totally fine. And I'm for that, but it's why we do what we do. Right. We are kicking off this sports vision series from a visual standpoint, because to be a successful athlete, not only do you have to have the right mental capacity and framework, but you also have to have these really great visual skills to be successful. Before you and I spoke, did you ever think about the visual aspects to your athletes? Like what what, what visual requirements were there when you're working with them? Cool. So like I said, I'll speak strictly from the baseball athlete at this point, obviously, you know, venturing into lacrosse and football, and there's a ton of different you know, visual acuities that we could probably dive into, but would would go severely over my head at certain moments. And uh, <laughs> But when it comes to baseball, there was really only one from a, obviously the hitting side, forget it. Yeah, Cassie is all over that. And, you know, she handled a lot of our hitting approaches. But from the pitching side, the one that we looked at the most was checking dominant eye for our pitchers. And the reason we check dominant eye is if I have a right-handed pitcher, and he's right eye dominant, he's going to require more cervical rotation to get his dominant eye into position when moving down the mound linearly. Whereas if he's left eye dominant, his requirement of cervical rotation has then decreased, which is not whether your listeners or not know the baseball community, lacking in cervical rotation will severely alter the positioning of the shoulder by severely altering the position of the shoulder, obviously we can throw a host of issues up the chain there or down the chain rather 
such as arm injuries, lacking velocity, so on and so forth. So for us, I wouldn't say we've done anything to change, alter, because I'm sure there are ways that you can manipulate dominant eye, but we haven't dived into that. What we've done is to at least check and then our response, as opposed to then working from a visual standpoint, which is obviously where you and I will be talking in the future, um, <laughs> is we've, we've really just worked on cervical rotation. So if somebody okay. is right eye dominant and they're a right-handed pitcher, we've then tried to open up more left side cervical rotation. Right. So from my perspective, when we think about baseball, like you said, hitting is like all visual. That's what everyone thinks yeah. about. And even the visual needs of an infielder versus an outfielder and how they work is so incredibly important. And I think that pitchers often get overlooked because they're just like, oh, they just throw the ball and that's it. You know, they run the game, but, you know, their job is just single handed. But from my perspective, a pitcher has so many visual demands that we actually don't even think about. We, they obviously have to be able to see clearly, right? That's like the very first step. And you, you know, you're unique in that you're getting to work with athletes of all ages. You're not just at the pro level, because typically by that point, people know if they can see well or not. But I find that the, the younger athletes, they might be able to see clearly, but we need to delve more deeper into it. Like if a child is, you know, they come to you because they want to be a pitcher, but they're struggling to accurately get the ball there. Well, is it an athletic thing or is there a visual etiology to that? And that's where I come in and where this conversation really is exciting for me because first step is visual acuity. Simply can they see, right? That's easy. But then we have to look at how do they gauge the depth? How are they accurate in being able to throw the ball where they need to and be able to make those adjustments with their arm to then adjust for that depth and where they want the ball to go. And one other one that, that some people don't realize is that central peripheral integration. And you were a pitcher with at Cortland. So you understand when you're on the mound, yes, you have to be laser focused with the hitter. But you also have to be aware of what's going on around you, right? You have to be aware of the runners on the other bases. There's always that pitcher that you know has no idea what's going on and they can get stolen on it all the time. So that is a, a visual skill that I know I work on with my pitchers in my office of not only paying attention to what's in front of you and what your the job at hand is, but being aware of the surrounding. And it's interesting because a lot of the athletes say to me like, you're making me look at a target and then touch things off to the side. Like, I don't understand that crossover, but you as a pitcher can probably relate that say you were in a bad mindset, right? Say you had bases loaded three, two count. And you're like, Oh, I need to make sure I throw a strike. You kind of tunnel your vision. Mm -hmm. And when you're stressed, that vision gets tunneled and you have to and now this is where your approach right that mindset how do i how do i beat that that stressful state to then perform better and then that's where our overlap is right because where i'm talking about the actual visual component but you're talking about the mental component and they they really do cross over especially in that central peripheral situation 100% yeah and uh you know for anybody that's been in a high pressure situation they can certainly respect the tunneling concept that you just brought up and your inability to uh, really hone in on your surroundings and the environment at which you're trying to create something. So yeah, I, I 100% agree that that, um, that peripheral 
vision and the ability to be aware of where you are in space, the proprioceptive nature of it is incredibly influential. Yeah. And the, the last piece, and I think this part of visual skills is incredibly important also for pictures, is the visualization piece of things. And I was talking with John, um, for my listeners, that's my husband who played baseball with Nick, about visualization because there are so many components to visualization, right? Especially as a ball player and a pitcher, because you have to do the same thing over and over again really, really well. Right. That's like they have to be so incredibly <laughs> consistent. It's 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 incredible how that pictures are incredible in that sense that they can do something over and over again. And do you go over this visualization piece with your with your players? Yeah. So we use an acronym from a mental skills point standpoint called ACT, um, which first section is awareness. There's four different divisions of it. Um, consistency, there's four different divisions. And then tactical control, there's another four different divisions. One of the four in tactical control is visualization. So we develop visualization scripts, which are just basically a rehearsed confidence building, and then obviously environment controlling system that we'll put into place prior to a game. And then even within game, when what's so interesting in any of the research that's out there on visualization that you can actually, when you're watching somebody go through a visualization uh, script, you can see their eyes moving and they're actually living that experience right now. And when they've done EMG study on it, they're even getting muscular activation during mm -hmm. that time, which is literally mind blowing when you think about that. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the visualization piece is not only a component, it's one of the largest components of what we work with our guys on and, and an unbelievable uh, tactic for the removal of doubt and the ability to analyze, evaluate reality and make sure that they're staying within reality as opposed to venturing into the future or uh, reliving consequences of the past. Right. Now, do you find that your more successful pictures that you work with have better visualization skills? Uh, no. Unfortunately. Um, so the people who need the most mental skills work tend to be professional athletes. Um, and here's why. If we think about that logically, right? So we have our younger high school or younger, even middle school, right? They're playing for fun. And sure, there is that thought um, by the time they hit high school of like, hey, I want to be a college athlete. So they're adding pressure to themselves, right? Outside of the pressure of the sport. Uh, as they venture into high school, into those middle years, there's a lot of pressure to get recruited and to move forward, right? But they're also emotionally immature. So they, you know, the idea of imagery to them at that point in time is a little obtuse and a little vague because they're still not self-aware, which is why we always start with that. But when we get to the older guys, they've either developed such bad emotional tendencies in terms of like uh, these insecurities that they're just ignoring and pushing down deep that the idea of working towards visualization, uh, just similarly to like a meditation, they can't clear themselves enough to allow that to occur uh, because they have too many pre-notions about who they are and what they are and I don't need this and so on and so forth. So it's it's an unbelievable experience when you realize, wait a minute, I'm working with a guy who's now getting paid to do what he's doing and should theoretically be at the peak of his ability and he needs the most mental work. 
Yeah. And I think it's surprising to those that are good at visualizing to understand someone who can't visualize. And, and, you know, I think that when I remember during the pandemic, there was an article that came out that was like viral that some people just don't have inner self-talk and it's the same thing. And we work in my office with every patient with visualization because it has a lot of crossover to academics also. So we we're working kind of both both angles with it, but visualization really is a skill and one that needs to be practiced and one that you can really build upon. And it's really difficult because it does delve into that meditative piece and you have to make the time. And in this world that we're often pulled everywhere, right? There's just partial attention to everything that we're doing. And visualization really demands of a person and an athlete to be completely present and honest with what they're doing. And I think that's incredibly difficult for a lot. Like you said, there's that mental component and mental limitations that are built in that sometimes prevent those visualizations from becoming full. And it's it's really an interesting piece from my perspective, because to be successful you have to be able to visualize it uh yeah I couldn't agree more like and I'm gonna keep going back to it and I promise we'll put a book out soon just on the way we attack uh the mental approach but um our first step is ownership and then awareness and then you know basically deciding who are you and then who do you want to be right Mm -hmm. and the whole idea process there is um you know really getting the athlete or the individual to be vulnerable and to be honest and to be open and authentic because that's the first step. We all have self-talk. We just, a lot of us don't have control over it. And we all need to understand that the voice between our ears is 10 times more powerful than anything somebody else could say to us. And the unfortunate part is most of the time, and especially with athletes, that voice is often speaking in should of statements, if statements, and statements that lack conviction and belief in oneself. And they've been bred that way through coaches and parents and different circumstances that they've lived along the way, which is unfortunate. And it's not to anybody's fault. It's just really listening to the language people use will incredibly help the visualization aspects they're trying to apply. Would you say that for a pitcher, that visualization is one of the most important components to their success? Oh, yeah. When you, when it comes to the tactically controlling section, probably I would say I would put self-talk and understanding that a little bit ahead, right? Because even when we're visualizing, we're going to be talking to ourselves, right? We're going to be rehearsing a script and, and going through that. But having the ability to create a visualization script is an incredible skill set. And then have also having the ability to e- evaluate reality and understand where fear lives, right? Uh, fear never lives in the present tense. I'm not afraid of the spider that's on the ground. I'm afraid of the consequences that I thought may have happened in the past from that spider or what might occur in the future. The spider itself is just living. It's just there. So uh, yeah, I would, I would put visualization right up there and having that ability to, to really see it in your mind is incredible. And when somebody gets really good at visualization, you'll notice they're doing it eyes open 
and they're within a moment in time and they're seeing it without needing to take themselves away from that moment uh, or from reality right there. And it's, it's an incredibly, incredibly powerful thing. It's used probably the most, I would say, in golf. Um, and you'll often see um, a golfer stare out down the range and just almost look as though he's mapping out where he wants it to go, but he's actually visualizing the ball going in that direction, eyes open and, and reliving the event then by the time he steps up. Right. This conversation went in a different way than I was expecting, but I absolutely love this conversation because I think it's in, uh, we're talking mostly about pitchers, but I think this is such an incredible conversation for any athlete listening to really understand how important the mental aspect of play is and the visual component of that and visualizing yourself and success and and that it's just so so important and as a pitcher yourself what would you say are your your top two or three visual skills that you would recommend for them to to kind of pay attention to so whether you're uh, I, I came out of the bullpen right so you're coming in in high pressure situations you're coming in in scenarios that may be difficult to really visualize right if I'm a starter I can visualize the start of the game and then I can revisualize different at bats and just play them over in my head right um, but what I would say the thing that helped me the most or that let's say I would have used had I had this knowledge while I was playing um, would have been the ability to uh, narrow and widen my scope of visualization. Uh, and seemingly because baseball is a long game. And uh, so to think that you can be tunneled and locked in for the breath of the entire game, you'll exhaust yourself by the second inning. And you'll notice that the adrenaline will start to fade. The um, You'll get adrenal fatigue and your mind will almost be more exhausted and then weakened than even your body may physically feel. Um, so what I mean by that is uh, when I had to develop these scripts for athletes, we would discuss the concept of visualizing task orientation once I was behind the rubber and about to step in for the next pitch. When I threw the pitch, I would then obviously react to the resulting occurrence, but it, let's say strike. And I'm walking in to get the ball from the catcher, right? The visualization concept there or my script would then widen. And I would be less focused on just task at that moment. And I would allow myself to allow my brain to wander and drift and so on and so forth. For the time in which I then traveled around the mound back to the behind the rubber to when there I would narrow my focus again. This narrowing and widening of the focal point at that point at that time, and uh, obviously not referencing like the eye narrowing and focusing, but really the, uh, the visualization component was incredibly beneficial for some of the athletes I was working with and took them to a moment where they would leave a game saying, I didn't feel exhausted at the end of that game. I, I wasn't drained and I was able to really have staying power with my um, visual components. So um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would take that into context and then obviously pregame. Uh, creating a pregame routine is quite possibly one of the most beneficial things any athlete can do. What I would always say to all of them is um, scan your routines currently. You probably have some already. Uh, we work as routine type individuals, like right as, as humans, that's what we like. 
scan for what routines you have currently and then add a visualization component into that routine. Even if that's 15 seconds, it starts out as by yourself somewhere in the beginning. Uh, if you feel embarrassed doing it, whatever, find a quiet place, do it before you get to the field, whatever it is, watch and give it time, you know, give it a couple starts, give it a couple opportunities and watch the benefit. And you'll be in the moment and you'll say, I've lived this already. You'll feel that aha moment. It almost may feel like deja vu. And you'll have now this ability to control your reactions in the moment. You'll have this ability to take charge of uh, your emotions and then apply everything to what you need to do. I love all of that. And always get an eye exam. That's the other one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. we, that, that's my uh, recommendation is always if for any athlete and especially for a pitcher, because you do have to have honed in skills, right? And great visual acuity, great depth perception, great central peripheral awareness, and that visualization component. I always think of it as if you can't gather the visual information efficiently and accurately, then that processing piece that you're talking about is affected. So make sure you get those eye exams. Where can our listeners find you? Because like I said, this conversation was a little different than I had imagined, but I think that so many athletes could benefit from you and your approach because it is so unique and so needed. Where can they find you? Yeah, probably the easiest way is on Instagram. Turned into our primary, um, not only educational platform, but also communication platform. So at Velo University or at athletes.warehouse or at coach underscore Serio. So either way, reach out to me on any of those. I'll be happy to answer back and any questions that people have. It's, and listen, this is what we do. So they're not looked at as a nuisance or anything. It's, it's another opportunity to help an individual. And you're in Westchester County. Do you work with athletes remotely? Yes. Yeah, we do. Uh, we have several remote athletes uh, ranging from professional all the way down to uh, middle school age kids that can't quite get here or get here for an evaluation. And then we remotely train them from there. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Nick. I learned so much about what you do. And I'm sure that our listeners are going to absolutely love this episode because it really takes a look at pitching and baseball in a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Follow us at Twin Forks Optometry on Facebook and Instagram. Join our private Facebook group, Vision is More Than 2020. Subscribe, download, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Tune in next week to learn more about your vision.